Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to Small Business Digest on Blog Talk Radio. Now entering its fifth year, this show is hosted by Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Each week he brings you advice and information from experts and small business leaders like yourself. Each show is designed to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas from authors, experts, and small business leaders, just like most of the individuals who make up our audience. Whenever possible, Small Business Digest tests the products and services featured on the show to ensure they are of a quality to help listeners grow their small business. Guests do not pay to appear, but are chosen for their ability to provide ideas and suggestions to improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like what you hear, tell others about the program. If you have a question or suggestion, email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Should you want to join us on this program during our live hour each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, dial 646-929-2337. That's editor at is-incorp.com or 646-929-2337. We're only as good as our guest and audience make us. An introduction like that, it's always uh, amazing that I can even follow. Well, our guest, today, our first guest today, we have a lot of them today, is David Zamir. He's a remarkable young Israeli-American uh, who so loved his mother so much, he created an app. David, welcome to the program. Thank you, Don. Thank you so much for inviting me to your show. Thank you so much for having me. First, David, uh, tell tell us a little bit about your background. <clears throat> what do you what did you do before you developed the app, and what is the app name, and how do people uh, find it? So I'm what you call a self-educated serial entrepreneur. As soon as I was done with the Israeli army, after my three years of serving in the Israeli army, I moved to the states and started my uh, ventures. I uh, I started. I bootstrapped ten bi- ten different businesses in ten different industries. I used to do retail and I used to do import export, importing and exporting of like uh, of high end clothing. And then I found myself doing home services about four years ago. And when I found myself doing home services, I loved what I did, and I finally I. I could find the place for, for where my heart wanted to go to. And I always asked myself, why did I choose home services? Why is home services the right fit for me? And it took me all the way back to when I was a kid after my father passed away and my mom found herself um, at 33-year-old of age with two little kids taking care of them and providing them by herself in a little town in Israel named Haifa. And I understood that the peace of mind that my mom gave to me, I actually want to give to millions and millions of people. And this is why my heart 
led me to be find myself in home services, and I find myself starting to fix fix, fix appliances. <laughs> so I literally learned off YouTube how to fix appliances, and one customer after another one, and one customer after another one, and three and a half years later, we we found ourselves with a six million dollars in revenue and more than forty five employees. So, okay, you had an idea. It seemed like a good one at the time, but um, yeah. how did you go about implementing it? So, like any business, when you bootstrap the business, like, of course, that you have a business plan and tell yourself, this is where I want to be a couple of months from now. This is where I want to be in a year. This is where I want to be in 24 months and so on. But when you bootstrap a business, you're just doing your best. So I started by fixing appliances by myself, and then I went ahead and started to train people because more and more customers wanted us to come and help them. And then we grew to a business of 15 or more employees, and the next step was to implement certain technologies that will help us to scale even more and service more customers because we just wanted to give more from ourselves back to the community. And then on January 2016, we decided that we want to take it nation, uh, nationwide. And in order for us to take it nationwide, we, we need to have a better technology. So I founded a new company, um, which named Nana Services INC. And you can find us online. You can go to nana.io. And basically, nana.io is a platform that will allow us to scale what we do nationwide while providing even more services than appliance repair service. We want to be the home authority. So we want people to use Nana, and Nana will provide people peace of mind while they are outside, live their life. And when people, our customers, we come back home, like Nana will do everything for them, like laundry, home cleaning, fixing your broken dishwasher while you are outside living life. How wonderful would that be? Like the rich cultural experience in your own house. That's that's very true. So please keep going. So you so this, started, you've got this great. What are some of the problems you've run into? So the turnover was really high when it comes to employees. And reason being, when you're starting a small business, so you have great people that join in your venture, and you know certain people have certain capacity. Now, serial entrepreneurs, like all of us know, need to grow constantly. If the person doesn't grow, so the business won't grow. So I found myself growing my business, and some of the employees that I had in the business had a hard time catching up to the speed of the business. And then what you need to do, basically, is to hire people that have the right set of skills. And in this way, you find yourself constantly training people, constantly creating new SOPs, new standard operating procedures, and then hiring certain people that have the right set of skills to do what the business needs right now. And then after six months, your business grew like 70%, and now you need different people that will implement different, different processes. Uh, so it can be exhausting sometimes, but, you know, um, it can be very rewarding, and I'm very happy with what I do and where I am today. And even though it's exhausting sometimes and challenging, I'm I'm very proud to be the CEO and founder of Nana. 
Okay. Oh, you've been a serial course, entrepreneur. Go ahead, yeah. David. And of course, um, you know, it's not it's not at all of the it's not the journey is everything like roses and everything is positive. Um one of my ventures four years ago, I lost I was twenty six years old and I lost three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And I was twenty six years old and I, back then I used to make four thousand dollars a month. So if you make the calculation only the only the interest that I would have to pay for this $350,000 loan wouldn't support me and my family just because you still need to have some money for food and rent and so on. And this is how I found myself uh, fixing appliances because basically I was sued by three different banks because I owed money to three different banks and different vendors. And I had to find a way to pay back to my banks because they trusted me. And they were my friends, and I of course that I wanted to pay them the money back. And from this challenge, the biggest challenge that I had as an entrepreneur, I was on the on the on the edge of a bankruptcy, and I chose not to go to bankruptcy because then I won't won't be able to get any any sort of capital to continue to be an entrepreneur in the future. So I had to fight and I had to reinvent myself all over again. And for people that are entrepreneurs there, I want to tell them, you guys, always keep inventing yourself. Always go. Always take the time to invest in yourself because you, your business is as good as you are. You always have to go. You always have to keep pushing yourself. And when the challenges will come, and they will come, know that you're going to, to be stronger after that. Know that you're going to be a better entrepreneur and know that you're going to be a better person. Don? Don, can you hear me okay? Sounds like I lost you back there. Don will be right back in a moment. This is Dave, his associate. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, thank you. All right, Don will be right back. Just a little technical difficulty, but I've been enjoying listening to Dave. It was just absolutely extraordinary. And yours is a story with which a lot of people can identify, especially in recent years, having built up, having a little bit of cash flow, of course, a lot yeah. of debt but then losing uh, what they had and had to rebuild again. Your story is inspiring. So what were the main obstacles that you found starting anew as you came back to the realms of success? Depression. <laughs> Depression. <laughs> well, I think your story is reaching a lot of people because either on large scales or small, when we're facing obstacles without, we often find that we're facing obstacles within, having to deal Absolutely. with it. Absolutely. So, I, completely, uh, I completely agree with that. that. Yes. How did you find the strength? I mean, you actually broke through that. You got through the ring of fire, as it were, to move on to success. What was it when you were fighting 
uh, the obstacles without and the depression, understandably, within. How did you manage to do that, David? I, well, thank I you. found my strength. I found Don my strength. Back. Hey, Don. Good to have you back. <laughs> um, that was great thinking on your part. I apologize, but um, uh, my phone connection went out. and I. Uh, That's okay. But I... Uh, uh, David, please finish up. It's just like a business, right? We need to adjust ourselves to the circumstances. <laughs> Everything is all right. So okay. going back to your well, question I'm... about where I... Going back to your questions, where I found my strength from. And honestly, my family. When I realized that my... First of all, I took responsibility. That's the first step. You know, you can always point fingers and blame society, blame the, blame the location, blame the customers that they don't understand your business. I took responsibility on myself and I said, hey, I made certain mistakes and I made the wrong move. And that's okay because we are humans and we always make mistakes. Let's learn from them and let's move forward. And I was depressed. <laughs> and then I told myself, okay, I have a family. And I lived this life once in this current version. This is all I have. And I do not want to compromise on the quality of my life. And I do not want to find myself living life that I'm not enjoying from. Feeling sorry for myself. Crying about the milk that was spilled. I found a hope for my family. I found the hope for my friends that believed in me, told me, hey, you can make it happen. And honestly, I, I will never forget how, like, basically I cut myself off from everything I know, everything I knew. I cut myself off because I felt like a wounded animal that just want to go to a corner till it heals and then go out there and explode on the wall. This is exactly what I did. So first step, I took responsibility. Second step, I was supported by friends and family that believed in me. Third, the first step was to cut myself off and just get myself better and then go reinvent myself and go ahead and find my new path. That is terrific. David, uh, tell us again your website and how people can reach you. So our website is nana.io, nana.io, and we are really excited to have incredible people like yourself that will go and check out Nana and be part of our platform and to help us spread the word and help us to bring peace of mind to people's lives in order for them to enjoy life rather than be busy with small errands here and there that will take care of them. And thank you so much for inviting me to your show again. No, thank you for being so patient with all our troubles and and really uh, giving us some really inspirational thoughts. Thoughts. Uh, thank you so much again. That was David Zammer. He's a remarkable Israeli-American entrepreneur. We have the next guest, Joe Gonzalez of Muscle Lake. I love the name. Uh, he's a marketing person. He's here to talk to us uh, uh, um, about a lot of things involving marketing. But first, uh, uh, Joe, welcome to the program. T 
tell us a little bit about yourself personally and about your uh, company, which I find is a a really fascinating company. Good morning, guys. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so uh, like you mentioned, my name is Joe Gonzalez. I head up the digital marketing for the company Muscle Egg. A little bit of my background, I grew up in the – you know, internet world of the 90s where the web was the new cool thing. So I always had an interest in uh, anything to do with the internet. But after college, I ended up working for a uh, consulting company. Um, And it was during this time, I spent about 10 years with this consulting company. And that's where I learned a lot about digital marketing in general. Um, all the different aspects that go into, uh, you know, running a business online. Um, And I came back from the day when not everybody had an online business or an online side to their business, Um, whereas nowadays it's difficult to survive without that. So um, during my time with the consulting company, I – you know, really dove deep, and I, I got to learn from lots of people who were very knowledgeable about uh, search engine optimization, paid search marketing, um, email marketing, um, and then as time went on, obviously social media and all these different aspects of digital marketing, marketing, and and how to make a company successful. Um, So my time as a consultant, I worked with hundreds of different companies, helping them develop uh, essentially online marketing plans, you know, what they can do uh, depending on their budgets. Um, A lot of smaller companies who knew, hey, we need to be online, but didn't quite know how to go about it, um, those were a lot of the companies that I would work with. Um, And some had you know, a decent marketing budget and others were, uh, you know, smaller mom and pop shops that we really had to uh, be creative and figure out, you know, how can we make this work for you with a limited budget. So um, anyway, that's a little bit of my background. Um, After, like I said, about 10 or so years of uh, doing consulting as an outsider, um, I moved over to MuscleEgg, um, and I just work for MuscleEgg now. I just um, am in-house here, and I handle all of their uh, digital marketing. Um, so it's a big job. Um, there's obviously a lot of different aspects, like I kind of touched on before, um, but it's it's a blast. I love it. Um, now, a little bit about MuscleEgg. So it's a very it's a very unique product. Um, it's very niche. They're, uh, basically, what we do is we create flavored egg whites. And the company, I haven't been here since the beginning. I've been here for about the last three years. Um, so about half the time, Muscle Egg has been around. They're, they're uh, coming up on our six-year anniversary in June. Um and I came upon them through a friend, and prior to working here, I honestly 
wasn't too familiar with it. Um, people in the fitness industry is, you know, they're the ones who are going to be familiar with muscle leg and, um, and what we do and what we provide. But, um, it was started by, uh, Paul Shepard. He's, he's the owner of the company who actually grew up working on his father's and grandfather's egg farm. So he's been in the egg industry for years and years and years. Um, the egg, the family egg farm has been, you know, doing the egg thing, shell egg and, and, and other types of egg products for over 80 years. Um, so he comes along, he's working on the egg farm. He decides, hey, you know what? There's a, uh, a niche that I think I can tap into here for flavored egg whites. Um, anyone who's ever tried any kind of diet knows that egg whites are probably going to be a part of your diet. They're high protein, low calorie, no fat. Um, they're often referred to as uh, the planet's best protein source because of how clean it is and how much protein content it has, which is big in the fitness industry as well. Um, so he decided, hey, there's all these people eating egg whites, and a lot of these people are sick of having to eat eggs and egg whites. It gets kind of boring after a while. It gets kind of hard to eat. Um, so we thought, let's see if we can develop a process, throw a little flavor in. Um, and uh, that was, like I said, six years ago. Um, and they started out with just a chocolate and vanilla flavor, and now we're up to creating new flavors, releasing a, a new flavor to every year um, where we've got 11 different flavors now. So, Well, I, got, very, I have to ask you a question. Yeah, you bet. Joe, I've got to ask you a question. What do you do with the egg yolks? <laughs> so the egg yolks, there's essentially no part of the egg that we don't use. So when we separate the eggs here on the muscle egg farm, which – uh, you know, we kind of do the whole process from start to finish, from planting our own grain to uh, harvesting our own eggs to all of that. But the egg yolks, um, we send those off to ice cream companies, um, salad dressing companies like Lighthouse, haagen a lot of these companies who need yolks for uh, other food-type products are the ones who will take those from us. The eggshells, we generally distribute those among other local farmers as a fertilizer. And then, of course, we hang on to the egg whites to make muscle egg. Well, okay, now we're talking. Now we're here talking about digital, okay? And yeah. um, uh, um, I know you're here at the behest of Google. Um, Correct. Uh, yeah, but... Um, I'm going to ask you three questions. Um, mm -hmm. First one is, um, how do you uh, go about um, determining a budget for a digital campaign? So when I came on board here at MuscleEgg, there were a lot of things that we were outsourcing to uh, other agencies, other companies. And where we're still a small company, um, uh, obviously we want to cut costs 
wherever we can and make the most of our dollars and maximize our budget. Um, so that was actually one of the first things that I did when I came on board is I said, hey, you've got these uh, Google AdWords campaigns running through a separate agency. Why don't we bring that all in-house? Because this is something I am very familiar with, something I've done quite a bit of prior to MuscleEgg. Um, and I was positive I could save money by bringing it in-house. Um, so when we did that, we had a they were running a fairly small budget on that. Um, it wasn't anywhere near what it could have been or what it should have been. Um, and I feel like part of that is because it was through a third party company that you know they just aren't going to have the investment in marketing for you that you are in your own product. Um, so determining a budget, we started out essentially with the budget that they previously had set out, um, which, like I said, was pretty small. It was less than $1,000 a month. Um, it was doing decently. Um, but I said, hey, you know what? If we can prove a good return on what we're spending, are we good to increase the budget? So essentially... Uh, we determined, hey, here's our budget. We're just going to take the budget that's, like I said, for for uh, some companies fairly small. For other companies, it could be considered a pretty large budget. Um, but in the large scheme of things, we're taking this fairly small budget of $1,000 a month, and that's where we're going to start. And really, I feel like to test anything and see any kind of results and see what happens with your ads, it's hard to do much with a smaller budget. Um, so we brought it in-house, uh, got a good return. Um, we were able to cut, if I'm thinking numbers here, we were able to cut our cost per acquisition, so basically how much we paid to get a sale out of our um, Google AdWords advertisements, we were able to cut that in half. Um, and a lot of these advertisements we created were based around keywords like, uh, you know, muscle egg. They were branded keyword phrases as well as more uh, product-based keyword phrases like egg whites and things like that. Um, so anyway, once we get to the point where we're seeing a return, um, you know, the, the powers that be <laughs> kind of gave the green light to say, okay, if we're essentially making more than what we're spending, um, you've got the green light to increase spending um, until we're essentially buying as much traffic as we can get while still maintaining um, our uh, the point that we had set for our cost per acquisition. Um, not too long after that, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. It sounded like a very interesting point. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say not too long after that, um, after analyzing some of the traffic coming in and 
seeing where a lot of our conversions were coming from, um, we decided to create a mobile-only campaign. Because um, nowadays, mobile accounts for a large percent of, uh, percentage of traffic, especially on our website. Um, analyzing our traffic, we saw there were, on any given month, between 50 to 75% of our traffic was from mobile users, people on their cell phones, people on iPads, things like that. Um, so we essentially recreated some of our current marketing campaigns to target just those mobile devices. Um, and it ended up cutting our cost per acquisition in half again. So from our mobile-only campaign, we were acquiring customers and sales at a quarter of the price that we were when we were outsourcing it to somebody else. And of course, um, you know, a large part of what we've done and a large part of making our ads better uh, came through Google. Um, there was a lady, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but someone from Google had called and said, hey, we've got some suggestions for you. And, and through a series of meetings with them, implemented some other uh, extensions for Google AdWords advertisement and just made sure, I, they, they did a good job of making sure we were at least aware of all of Google's latest technology with their advertising platform um, and implementing things that were beneficial to us. And that, of course, helped contribute to lowering our cost per acquisition to a point that, I mean, we're over here doing cartwheels over it because it's way lower than what we set our goal at. So we've been extremely happy with that. We, you're a great advocate for it, but I have a couple of questions. Of the, sure. Uh, AdWords, et cetera, you purchased. Can you, you, for a lot of our audience, it's still gobbledygook for them, uh, Swahili. <laughs> so, um, mm -hmm. in your view, uh, how do you go about p picking an ad, an ad word and saying this is the word that will really help us sell? For instance, what are yours? Some of your sell words so like I mentioned a lot of our keywords that we're targeting are brand related obviously we want to pop up anytime someone goes to Google and searches for muscle egg or muscle egg whites or muscle egg liquid egg whites or anything relating to our brand um, we want to we want to be seen um, so we've got a whole campaign just targeted to our brand um, outside of that, we've created campaigns targeting um, egg whites in general, which is our product. That's what we are. We're liquid egg whites. That's all we do. That's all we uh, sell. Um, so they're a little more, I don't want to say generic because they're still pretty specific. If people are searching for where to buy egg whites or flavored egg whites or um, we're well enough known now that People even go online and search for things like chocolate egg whites or cake batter flavored egg whites or can you cook with muscle egg? These are the types of things that um, we're targeting. So um, Google does have a 
its own shopping search engine as well, which we run a lot of advertising for each of our different individual flavors through, um, which uh, doesn't get the same results as our other, you know, our, our egg whites campaigns and our branded campaigns because um, the searches are lower. You know, there's obviously not a lot of people searching for key lime flavored egg whites, but when they do, we show up. So tool-wise, um, there are some different tools that we use to determine, you know, hey, is this keyword phrase that we're looking at going to bring us any traffic? Is it going to bring us any results? Well, you don't know if it's going to bring results until you test it. Um, but traffic-wise, really one of the main tools I use is one provided by Google. It's their keyword planner. And what it does is essentially I can go and see, on average, how many people are searching for this particular keyword phrase. So if I hear from the boss and he says, uh, you know, I want to start showing up in Google uh, or I want to create some advertisements for um, chocolate-flavored egg whites, what can we expect from that? Real quick and easy, I can hop on this keyword planner tool from Google and say, hey, I want to know how many people are searching for chocolate-flavored egg whites each month, um, and it does two things for me. It's going to show me on the average month, there are X amount of people searching for this keyword phrase. It might be 30. It might be uh, 1.5 million, depending on what keyword phrases you search for. But it's going to show me and give me a pretty good idea of, is there anybody looking for this online? The second thing it does, which may be even more useful to me, is it gives me a bunch of related keyword phrases as well. So it's going to show me uh, variations, you know, chocolate egg whites, chocolate liquid egg whites, liquid egg whites, chocolate flavored. You know, it's going to show me all these different variations and how many times they're searched as well. So uh, I can kind of combine and aggregate all these variations and say, hey, if we put together a campaign for chocolate liquid egg whites, here's what we can expect from it, or here's how it would compare to some of the other campaigns that we're running. So ultimately, it's something I would likely test uh, just because we don't want to leave any stone unturned. Um, and when it all comes down to it, even if I have a campaign that predicts that I'm only going to get 100 visitors a month from it, well, if I've got 20 of those campaigns running, there's 2,000 visitors a month right there. Joe, well, we have another guest waiting. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I think we you have to come back on this program and talk more. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be you're, happy to. You're a, fasc you're a fascinating guest who obviously knows their, uh, uh, their uh, subject inside and out. And we will, we definitely you. want you back um, on, on, uh, on this program and our other program 
because I think you have a lot to tell our uh, small business audience. Well, tell us again your site. uh, We've been talking with Joe Gonzalez, Muscle Leg. He's he's been educating us. um, uh, uh, Well, let's put it this way. He's been educating me very greatly. Uh, I hope the audience (laughs) as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's just uh, www.muscleegg.com, and uh, that's where you can find all our products, see what we're all about, and get more info. uh, If someone wanted to talk to you directly, how did they do it, Joe? Just joe at muscleegg.com. That's J-O-E at muscleegg.com, M-U-S-E. C L E E G G dot com. You've been a terrific guest, Joe, and we want you back on the show. All right, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Our next guest is David Zimmerman, CEO of LC Technology. We also have on the uh, on our board uh, from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, Suzanne Clark, uh, who, who wants to talk about a small business um, uh, uh, um, uh, and their survey, et cetera. And I'm going to ask a favor of David if he w- would mind. They're on a short uh, this the day they release these information. They're on a short schedule. Would you mind if they went first? And you listened in? Yeah, go ahead. That's fine. I'm sorry, Dave. That's okay. Uh, hello there. Hello, Donald. You're, you're on hello, the air, Suzanne. Good morning. Yes. How are you? David Zimmerman has graciously given, uh, given up his slot. We were running behind. Um, um, uh, uh, Suzanne, your EVP of the small business um, um, uh, for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, uh, you have a, a new study that you've released today. Can you t- tell us about it and what's going on? I'd be delighted, and, and thank you, Mr. Zimmerman, for your patience. I'm here today with James Reed at MetLife, and we are really excited to be launching the first results of an ongoing quarterly index of a 1,000 small business owners who revealed themselves to be quite optimistic about the economy. Sixty percent of them said they foresaw revenue growth, and nearly a third said that they could see hiring soon. Keep going. The the floor is yours. Just tell us all you can that you want to um, from the study, and and then uh, we know you're on a short uh, lease. Come and join us. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Great. So uh, some of the other uh, facts uh, and data that came out of the study is that, as Susan mentioned, high level of optimism about um, growth. The, The survey went into asked 10 questions in three different areas around um, what small business owners are feeling about their small business operations, what they were thinking about and the challenges they had in the small business environment, and then also about expectations. 
And really, the, the, the two concerns that they ran into with the high level of optimism across the board otherwise was really um, you know, how they were able to potentially deal with the economy and that they were, uh, over 30% of the small business owners were actually working harder and putting in more hours than they did in previous years. But overall, as Susan mentioned, a real high level of optimism across the country uh, for the small business owners. And, and I think if we heard a concern, it had to do with the national economy. You know, we've been stalled at less than 3% growth for 10 years, and, and that uncertainty has been hard on small business owners. And so, you know, they create two-thirds of new jobs in this country, so finding out that they're optimistic about their business and about their regional economy uh, we think is quite hopeful. We did see a little bit of concern about finding qualified workers, and we think that's a little bit of an underreported story. We hear a lot about unemployment, but not about this problem of jobs without the qualified, well-trained, skilled workers to fill them. We have a number of small business summits across the country to try to help them coming up. We're looking forward to people turning out and, and, and us doing everything that we can to help them take the risks and create the jobs the country needs. So, as Susan mentioned, this is the, the, the first step out of the gate, so to speak. So, with MetLife and the U.S. Chamber working together, um, this is the first survey that we're going to be launching. We're scheduled to launch quarterly surveys over the next few years, um, in addition to the Small Business Summit that Susan mentioned. And the great thing is that with the two organizations, um, we're committed to really understand what the small business owners' challenges are, what their expectations are, and what their needs. And it's our jobs working together and try to help them meet those needs and uh, make sure that the small business environment and economy continues to grow. One final question. Did you uh, hear any negatives from, uh, from the survey? Well, I do think we heard about kind of national economic uncertainty. We heard about a lack of qualified workers, uh, and so I think those were concerns. Um, but I have to stress that we saw 60-plus percent of job creators being optimistic and feeling favorable about the economy and about the opportunity in front of them. So I think they have concerns and they have things they'd like to, they need help with, but overall a quite favorable outlook. And the, the information for your listeners, uh, they can get the actual index and survey if they go to sbindex.us. Um, and as Susan mentioned, we're going to have a number of small business summits. We have five scheduled this year um, in um, Dallas, Phoenix, uh, Tampa, um, and uh, I'm drawing a blank on our last one. Uh, Dallas, Phoenix, Tampa, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, as well as our Dream Big Awards um, that are scheduled to be um, in Washington, D.C. over September 9th to 11th. Real great. Thank you so much for, for uh, coming on uh, uh, on such short, short notice and, and giving us what I think is good news. Thank you. Well, we, we appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Now, David, after all this patience, thank you so much for <laughs> David Zimmerman is CEO of LC Technology and a, a, a global leader in data recovery. Uh, and he's uh, here to talk about a subject that concerns us all, um, uh, the security of our uh, everything that we live in, uh, 
uh, die with. Uh, as I've been experiencing um, uh, in this program of today, and you don't know all of the difficulties we've had. David, welcome to the program, and tell us a little bit about yourself, your uh, your company, and how people can uh, and your website. Sure. Thanks for having me on uh, this morning, Don. Um, LC Technology is a uh, software company. I I started back in 1997 uh, making tools for data recovery, recovering data. Uh, Back at that time, there there really wasn't a whole lot of tools that were available to anybody. Um, You know, we came out with some of the first tools Actually, the first one that could, you know, recover data from NTFS, and you know, over the years we've, you know, branched into, you know, various types of of media. You know, back in the 90s, it was floppy disks, it was jazz drives, it was zip drives, and and you had all this these different types of storage devices uh, on these little, and you had the little tiny hard drives back in those days as well. Um, starting out making, um, you know, products for Windows operating systems, uh, and then, you know, several years later, you know, expanded into the OSX world as well. Um, currently, you know, we, we make quite a few other products that are on the market. You know, we make our own branded products, uh, but we also make products for some of the bigger companies in the storage industry out there, including, you know, SanDisk, Western Digital, uh, Toshiba, and and companies like that. So a lot of the products that you'll find out in the market actually uh, come from us. Um, But, yeah, you know, losing data is is, is probably one of the most difficult things, you know, for people to deal with, Um, especially if they're not utilizing any type of a backup plan. Uh, and even then, you know, backup plans can go bad, too. Um, you know, there's a lot of times when, you know, people are actually thinking that they have their data backed up and they're doing it, you know, weekly, daily, whatever it is. And then when something does happen and they try and restore their data, typically uh, it fails because uh, they've been, never actually even done a, you know, a practice run. But it is something that affects everybody, um, you know. And, and now more and more, you know, you know, back in the in the 90s, you had a computer at home, and that was it, or at work. Um, now, you know, we've got, you know, everything is digital. You know, your cameras, your cell phones, uh, portable, you know, tablets, you know, notebooks, desktops. Flash drives, um, you know, a lot of people carry their stuff around on flash drives as well. Um, so data is pretty much everywhere now, and, and you know, losing it, it can be frustrating, um, especially some of the markets that we deal with, like, you know, pro- professional photographers, uh, you know, wedding photographers, those types of people that you only get one chance, you know, and if you screw it up, you're not, you can't do the wedding over. So it's, it's, it's a... It's an interesting feel, but it's fun at the same time, and and it's good because you know eventually in the end we we make a lot of people happy, because uh, typically when they come to us they're already in panic mode. So, 
Are you there, Don? Yeah, I'm here listening to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the less yeah. I talk, the, 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 the better the program, in my view. But, yeah, you know, no, I know. Uh, but, you know, we, we make a lot of different products. That Go ahead. They, no, I was going to no? say, I have a partner on my other show that uh, yeah. it's the easiest show in the world to make. When the guests don't talk, he yeah. talks yeah. and asks questions, and all I have to do is sit back. Yeah, but I'm going to ask you one, <laughs> uh, <coughs> what, what, uh, one, one important question. Um, uh, what are your um, the two or three things you always tell people to do? You know, in, in a in a business environment, you've got a lot of risks. You know, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of times your employees are that risk. You know, you do have people that you know. You, you know, you've got a you know, for example, you've got a small network and you got ten, twenty people working for you. Um, you know, you you have to make sure your equipment that you're using is always up to date. You know, antivirus, malware, uh, endpoint protection type products. Um, you know, a lot of things are introduced by your employees. You know, they bring things from home. You know, they bring a flash drive from home, and maybe there's something on that drive. They plug it into their computer at work, and the next thing you know, you've got something on your your own network that may start to affect other things. Um, you know, there there's so many things to do. You know, even backing up your your data to the cloud, um, you know, it's a great thing to do, and everybody needs to do it. But you know, you need to back up that backup as well because you know it's it's happened before where you know Amazon web you know AWS goes down, and everybody loses their data, um, and actually they're not really responsible for your data either. So there is nothing you can do if they. You know, they have, you know, servers got that go down and, and they lose all your data. They are not liable for it. Um, so, you know, backing up and, and backing up your backups as well. Um, you know, important things, you know, archive them, you know, copy them to flash drives. Carry, You know, I, I carry, you know, a half a dozen flash drives. Uh, and I keep them at home, you know, in multiple places. So if I need something... Or if I lose something, you know, I, I pretty much have copies of everything in, in th eh, about three or four different places. Um, you can't be too careful because um, some of the stuff is just impossible to recreate, you know, especially when you're, you know, dealing with images like pictures and, you know, things like that that you can't take again. Um you know, work-related stuff. Yeah, you you know, you can replace it and you can redo it. You know, it takes your time. It's inconvenient, but you know, there there are some things that are just irreplaceable. So, um, you know, just you know, be careful. You know, you got to be careful with you know your equipment. Um, you know, even though a flash drive may seem a little bit rugged, uh, we get them in every day that are broken. You know, um, the connectors. The head is, is snapped off where you plug it into the USB port. Um, we've had stuff in here that's, you know, been run over. You know, we, we also, you know, you know, on top of making, 
you know the software products uh, we also operate uh, data recovery labs as well we have a lab here we have one in the UK and we just opened up one in uh, Japan so we do get a lot of devices in uh, as well you know whether they're uh, SD cards uh, compact flash cards uh, hard drives SSDs USB drives, DVDs, uh, you know, pretty much anything that stores data. Um, but we see a lot of different things. I mean, water damage, you know, from flooding, um, you know, things that have been run over. We've had things that have been, you know, um, you know, chewed up by pets, dogs, you know. Um, so, you know, it's, it, you just got to be careful, you know, and treat, you know, things that are important to you you know, a little bit different and, and put them in a safe place and put them in multiple places, you know, copies of it. You know, you you got to remember, you know, a lot of digital data doesn't take up any desk space, you know. I mean, files are files and, you know, a million files on a flash drive, you know, is the same size as, a, you know, a flash drive with, you know, you can, you can put any, you know, any any amount of data on a small device nowadays. As, as especially as storage to get, is getting you know bigger and bigger the capacities. So. But if you do lose something, you know, the first thing you do, you know, is put it put it set it aside and think about it. You know, you can do some of this stuff on your own. You know, there are commercial products out there that allow uh, you know users to try and do this on their own, um, but there are times when, you know, you've got physical issues, you know, especially with hard drives. You know, they don't spin up anymore. They don't detect. Um, and you've got, you know, a real problem. You know, at that point, you know, the best thing to do is try and find somebody, you know, hopefully, you know, close to you uh, that has the ability to, you know, try and get your data back. The only thing with that is is that there are not that many companies that actually do it. Um you know, that operate clean rooms where they actually have the ability to disassemble the drive and, and have an inventory of spare parts to hopefully uh, fix, you know, yours to be, you know, enough to be able to get the data off. You've been in business 20 years, if I heard you right. Yeah, I actually, I, I actually started back in 82. Uh, in the computer business, I, I used to build XTs uh, a long, long time ago, and I, I was in the CAD CAM industry for a while as well. I, I was a tool and die machinist prior to that, and, and got out of the had an interest in the automated, you know, uh, manufacturing and, and designing and machining and, and that type of thing. And yeah, it's so yeah, it's it's going on. Thirty some years, thirty five years. Okay. Um, <laughs> what are the three things you pass on uh, to people? Fifty nine percent of our audience are uh, owners and or presidents. What are some of the yeah. things you would say? The three things you would tell anybody who's in, who's managing now or thinking of managing a small business. Well, you know, I mean, you know, back up your data, you know, back up your data 
you know, frequently. Test your plan, you know, to to make sure that whatever process that you are, you know, using is going to work. Um, try and do it. Do a restore, you know, like a dry run, you know, just to, you know, pretend like like, like a fire drill, you know. Um, you know, if if you do own a company, you know, have the right pr- security and antivirus products that are up to date on your equipment. You know, um, you, you know, you, you you can't afford to to lose data, you know, because of you didn't want to buy network security products, you know, to protect your data. Um, and, and you know, all and, and you know, more more importantly, you know, store your data off site too. You know, especially like with us, we're in Florida, so hurricane season is coming. Um and you know, you've gotta get your backups off site as well. Um, you never know what'll happen. You know, I could you know, the building could blow down uh and equipment be you know severely damaged and and you know a lot of companies that lose their data a lot of them end up going out of business you know that's you know how important uh this stuff is and a lot of businesses rely on you know data so what what are you going to you've been in business a long time um mm-hmm. What are you thinking of doing now? Do you have a, uh, an exit plan? <laughs> ah, I don't know. You know, I I like what I do. You know, this isn't work to me. Um, this is this is this is what I do. You know, um, you know, I I don't ever dread going into work. I don't dread going home. You know, late. You know, I I, I do what I have to do. You know, we we make software products in about twenty two different languages. Um, We've got, you know, customers from, you know, probably every country in the world, um, you know, ten, you know, ten, you know, tens of millions uh, of people using our products over, over the past 20 years. So I like it, you know, so until somebody, you know, comes along and, and you know, entertains, you know, makes something, uh, an entertaining offer, you never know, but I, I like what I do, and, you know, I, I I don't plan on going anywhere for a while, so. Are you optimistic for the future as the uh, um, well, Chamber of Commerce seems to indicate for other people? I, you know, I, you know, this industry is growing, you know, and, you know, the, it, it's not going to stop. You know the the amount of data being produced on on a daily basis worldwide is you know I I don't know the exact counts recently but it's expanding so rapidly you know everything is being digitized you know even in our office you know all our paperwork and stuff everything is scanned everything is electronic now you know we used to have boxes and boxes of paper records you don't have to do that no more. So, you know, and, and things are just getting, you know, more and more. You know, we do a lot of stuff now even with, you know, drones. Um, you know, you know how popular they're becoming. Well, you know, they have their issues as well. People crash them. They get damaged, you know, and they're recording data, you know, on these things as well. Uh, so, 
you know, that's that. And, and, you know, now we've got, you know, connected cars. I, I know we're, we do some work with some of the companies that deal with telematics uh, that monitor, you know, cars. They have, you know, flash memory installed in the, in the vehicle that logs everything. Um, sometimes they use that information and, in, you know, accident investigations. Uh, you know, it, it's everywhere, even your cell phones. Um, you know, we get a lot of, you know, micro SD cards in from, you know, people that, you know, they've got all their music, their phone, their, their pictures, you know, everything stored on, uh, you know, a little flash card that's about the size of the, your fingernail on your baby finger, you know. Well, uh, as an old aviation uh, writer, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you ever deal with the, the black boxes in, in airplanes? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, we used to do a lot of work in the forensic market as well. Um, you know, we used to make uh, computer equipment for crime labs uh, to be able to, you know, analyze data and same thing. Yeah. You've got that type of stuff. You know, the stuff on a black box is is the same as the, what they're doing in, in vehicles right now as well. Um, <coughs> you know, they're there's a lot of information. Can I ask you, why can't they make a more uh, survivable black box? Have you ever thought about that? I know this is a way out question, but you just sound like the kind yeah. of guy that's the least thought about it. <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know, the the problem, I guess, is, you know, I, is, is finding them. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, on land, yeah, you can make something that's pretty indestructible, and, and you could probably find it a lot easier than you could in the middle of the ocean. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, finding it is the hardest part, I guess. Um, you know. <clears throat> well, I'm always fascinated. I've I've covered a few crashes. I used to work for Aviation Week, but that's neither here nor there. David, you've been a fascinating guest, and you're also going to be on my program tomorrow. Um, right, right. So, yeah. uh, um, uh, for, for people who don't know, uh, I and Dan uh, Perkins have a, another program, over-the-air program, in, uh, in major markets across the country, and we've invited David mm -hmm. to be on that program as well. But uh, and he has been a very patient uh, uh, person with us uh, today, and we really appreciate it. David, again, tell people how they can uh, reach your company and you. Sure, sure. Um, we can, you know, find information on on our products and services at www.l as in Larry, C as in Charlie, then a hyphen, and then the word tech. Tech.com. Uh, myself, you can get in touch with me, uh, David at lc-tech.com. Really enjoyed talking to you. Look forward to talking to you again. And uh, mm -hmm. thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, not a problem, Don. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. 
We will be back next week with other guests invited to help you, our audience, improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like the show, tell others about it. Want to make a comment or be a guest? Email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Your host was Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Until next time, keep faith with the ideals that made America great, and remember, small business is still the backbone of commerce.